All right, good morning, Metro North Church. Thank you guys for coming out. Would y'all stand and worship with us this morning? Every knee will bow before Him. 
seated. Good morning. My name is John. It's good to have you guys here in the midst of all the chaos that's going on in the world. So glad that you're here. Um, if you are a guest and uh, you're visiting or uh, just coming to see what we're about, there's a connect card in your bulletin. Please feel free to fill that out. And also for those of us uh, that, that would like to offer a prayer request, you can put that prayer request on the back and uh, our staff and our elders will pray for that this week. So keep that in mind. But thank you so much for being here. Um, we are creating a church that connects people to God's transforming grace. And um, even today, as we talk in worship, our worship today is about engaging, uh, engaging with others both inside and outside of the church. And it's interesting, we, we plan our preaching a year in advance. I mean, this was planned not a year in advance, but last August, I think. And God know, knew full well that uh, the corona, COVID, whatever you want to call it, would happen. And uh, it's important when we have times of crisis like this for us to join and gather as a church as much as you feel comfortable with, with coming. But um, it's also important to remember several things. And I want you to hear this morning thing today. God's in control. God is absolutely in control. Okay? This does not escape his gaze, certainly does not escape his hand. So be encouraged by that. Uh, I think it's also important to remember that, that we will get through this. Um, this isn't the first time something like this has happened in the United States, let alone in the world. And then um, the, the other thing, it's always interesting when things like this happen. And I, I was here um, post 9-11, our first services there, uh, that we had here after that crisis, if you will. This is a wonderful time for the church to stand up and be the church to be God's hands, feet, his voice in the world, to, uh, to reach out and care for people. Uh, so be, be wise about how you do that, but also realize that this is a wonderful opportunity uh, to care for and minister to friends, family, neighbors. So keep that in mind. Uh, and then I think the final thing is just, just be in prayer. I mean, uh, President Trump declared this a national day of prayer. We need to be in prayer today. I would encourage you to take some time this afternoon, or as you remember, just to lift up a prayer, not just for our church family, but our state, or even our nation, but for the world and those around the world who don't have the health care system that we have. They don't have the infrastructure that we do, but be in prayer for them. Um, but we are here today to worship, and God has called us here to worship. Our call to worship actually comes from 1 Chronicles 16, and it says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations. And we will give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let me pray. Father, we come today and we thank you for your power, for your control, for your protection, even in the midst of a pandemic. Father, you have called us here today because you deserve praise above all things. May we open our hearts. May we give you the glory and the honor that you deserve today through this service. We ask your spirit to come now and help us to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?
Jesus, the only one who could ever save. And worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. No one.
one like you there is none besides you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me you may be seated There's a line in that song that said we are ransomed from the wreckage of sin, something to that effect. And uh, it's important to remind ourselves that we have, first of all, been ransomed and ransomed from sin. I think sometimes we try to make our sin too light, too, too minimal. And um, to that end, every week, or not every week, but we try to, most weeks, to confess our sins to the Lord corporately as a group. And um, what that does is several things. It reminds us, first of all, that there is a God, that we're not Him, okay? That we are not the ones in control. We are accountable to Him, and that we are sinners, and we desperately need Him. So uh, even as we go through this, sometimes it can become ritualistic, but we have to remind ourselves there's a purpose behind it. We are prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, as the hymn goes. I don't know if you know that, man. I feel my heart being pulled away by such trivial, stupid little things. Um, I was watching my, uh, my, all of my grandkids. I got to see all my grandkids this week. But, man, just the absolute willfulness in a, a heart that is four years old or younger. And I think, I can't believe you're like that. And I go, no, no, wait a minute. I'm like that. <laughs> There's times I go to God, no. I want my way. So that's why we confess our sins. So I would ask you to join me as we corporately confess our sins together using this. Loving Heavenly Father, you alone are the creator and sustainer of all things. Even though we have tasted your goodness, we are people who would rather trust in ourselves rather than you. Jesus, we place our hope in our own talents abilities, and relationships. We worship ourselves and are full of anxiety and depression because we cannot save ourselves in any way. Holy Spirit, teach us to be still and to know that you are God and we are not. Open our blinded eyes to see clearly your faithfulness and power, your great love and unending patience your relentless determination to pursue us, captivate us, and ravish us with the truth of the gospel. His relentless determination to pursue us. That's encouraging, isn't it? He doesn't leave us alone when we confess our sins. He wants to remind us of his faithfulness to us. First Peter tells us this, those you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in Him and, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Be encouraged by God's gospel in that. This time we're going to uh, take up our offering. When we are reminded of God's goodness, it creates a generosity in our heart, and we want to give back out of the abundance He's given us. Luke 6 tells us to give, and it will be given to you. 
They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured in, in, to you in return. God gives generously to us. So let's return that to him. Let me pray now for our offering. Gracious Father, we thank you for the way you have provided for us, the way you've given us mental skills, abilities, jobs to perform tasks, Father, and then the money, the remuneration for doing those tasks. Thank you for providing for us in that way because you could just as easily uh, take away those abilities. And Father, now we take a portion of what has been given to us as a remember, uh, remembrance that all things come from your hand. And we give back to you to honor you now. We pray you would take this, use it for your glory, for your kingdom, for your message going forth into the world. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Would the deacons come forward. me and his 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning praising you for your just amazing love for us in Christ. And that message of the cross and of what he has done for us and that 2,000 years ago that he took on and became a man and through what he did with um Father, with all the, uh, Lord, he said that it was finished and, and something happened and there's nothing else that can be do, can do. Because Christ has done it all. 
and he has given us a hope where we didn't have hope. He's given us peace. He's given us rest. And he's given us trust. And there's And his name is Jesus Christ. So we can rest in that and know that when we place our faith in him, that all is well, both now and forever. And Father, we um, bring before you all the things that are going on in the world right now, um, anxiety about the coronavirus and things that we aren't aren't in control of, but you are. You are sovereignly in control of everything that is happening. Um, a great theologian once said that uh, there is no maverick molecule in the universe that can ever thwart God's sovereignty and we thank you that we can rest there and we can know that we can trust you and Father that even the Apostle Paul said in a doxology that that when he saw just the greatness of what he had just been writing he said oh the depths of both the wisdom, the knowledge of you and how unsearchable are those things. Help us to put our minds on these things and not on things that would cause us anxiety and cause us fear and help us to trust you and father I pray that um, for many that are sick right now that are sick around the world not just here but in our body that um, some are sick here and I pray that you would touch their bodies and and that they would um And they would be healed. And, and I also pray for, um, I pray for Nate as he comes now and gives us your word that we would be receptive to hear the voice of, of, of what you want to tell us. And we will hear of your holiness of your majesty of your greatness and most importantly we will hear of your gospel and as we go out into the um, into our homes into our
communities, that you would um, make us a blessing to those in need. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we're going to dismiss our children to their classes. Uh, you'll see those classes up here, so children, you're free to go. Also, we want to take a minute to go, uh, greet one another, so if you would, please stand, look around, find someone that you don't know very well, and extend a nice warm welcome to them. As you find your way back to your seats, um, we have a, a couple of uh, missional opportunities need to let you know about. We have canceled the breakfast with uh, Boulder Bluff and here with our teachers just for obvious reasons. So if you were going to participate in that, keep that in mind. Also, um, our Connect class begins next Sunday um, for three weeks from 9 to 10. So if, if you're uh, a regular attender here and you've been trying to figure out why you haven't joined the church, we've been trying to figure that out too. So come. It's a, a class lasts for three weeks from nine to ten, um, but come. There'll be child care. I, I would encourage you, if you do have children, well, even if you don't have children, go online, sign up so we know we can prepare materials for you, and you're, you're more than welcome to go through the class, and if you decide later on, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready. That's fine, too. Just continue to come to worship. We're just glad to have you here, but keep that in mind. Also, on April 8th, which is a Wednesday, we have a blood drive coming up, 
And I'm sure with everything that's going on in the world, they could use blood. So be thinking about whether you uh, would like to sign up for that. I'm sure you can do that online as well. So uh, Nate's going to come and bring us the word. So Nate. Testing. I'm working now. Okay, there we go. All right, well, we'll try it again. Good morning. My, my name is Nate, so I'm still Nate. Um, last week, um, we talked a little bit in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and we saw that Paul was really focusing on gifts which is kind of a specially empowered activity that really get dispensed and empowered or made effective by the Holy Spirit. And what was, if for those of you that were here, we saw that the Holy Spirit's character was what? Never against Christ, right? And always, somebody said it, all right. Always pointing to, to Christ as Lord. And that's the character of the Holy Spirit in... Um, putting out the gifts and making them effective. Today, we're going to finish up chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And in today's message, in verses 12 through 31, Paul shifts more towards a functional idea, functional participation. And he kind of pushes the Corinthians away from just focusing on gifts. He pushes them away from that. <clears throat> and more towards the things that they are, functional part of the body. Now, today's scripture reading is a tad long, so if you worry about standing, you may remain seated, but I'll ask the rest of you to please stand in honor of the reading of God's word with me. This is the word of the Lord. It comes from chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verses 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers... 
all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is our reference that we can constantly go to and find encouragement in and find ways that our sin gets exposed and, and just line up with your word, line up with your will, line up with what you've called us to be. We also find ways where we are doing those things and we find great encouragement in that and knowing that we are following your will. So this morning, Lord, by the power of your spirit, change us, confront us with where we're off, off the line, and Lord, encourage us where we're on the line, where we need to be, and that the name of Jesus Christ may be exalted in all we say and do and think. In his glorious name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The title of our sermon this morning is Engaged, and this thing is right in the periphery of my vision, so it's like a bug. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Hopefully you can still hear me. <clears throat> one of the primary ways we engage is through membership in the body of Christ. That's one of the ways that we as followers of Christ engage is, is through the body of Christ, and ultimately membership in a local church and we'll be talking quite a bit about that this morning in modern western society especially in america we often think of church membership as kind of optional it's kind of something that we think eh, maybe maybe not but we think of it as optional or selective and it's kind of like joining a club to us we we look around and uh, we look for those personal benefits things that will benefit us and that's kind of how many Americans and Western Christians plug into a church. What I mean is that our modern view of church membership tends to be something where we look for a church that has uh, those personal benefits, maybe the music, maybe the children's programs, maybe training classes, maybe small groups, maybe even the preaching. And we say, hmm. That, that's, that's what I like. That fits my needs. And it looks like most of my needs will be met there. And we give a little money. And then many people say, well, bring on the waiters. Bring out the buffet. Start serving my needs. And, and that's how church gets approached in Western society many times. But biblical church membership is not to be looked at as something that's designed to cater specifically to mine and your needs. Although we do get benefits from it, we do, and, and we, we get fed in that sense. But biblical church membership is not to be looked at as something that's designed to cater specifically to all our personal, uh, personal desires, which there are desires, but we often characterize them as needs. 
It is designed so that we function both as individuals and as a body in order to better obey Christ. In other words, it's designed so that we grow as disciples and that we begin to minister to the needs of others. That's the way biblical church membership is designed. So when we swap out, we make the tangible benefits, our personal benefits, the focus of what we're looking for in a church, when our reason for coming to church or attending a specific church primarily primarily to have our per, is primarily to have our personal needs met, a little shift begins to happen in our brain and our heart. And actually, if you're not very careful, very quickly, it'll kind of cascade and, and become worse and worse. And we start looking around the body of Christ and we start asking this one question. I know you've all heard of WIFM, W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? Okay, that's, we, we start thinking that way when that shift happens. And, and as the shift continues, we get a little dissatisfaction. And we begin thinking we aren't getting our needs met. So we tend to disengage in, in the church. But biblically, we're called to a total commitment to Christ. I mean, you've got to be all in. That's what Christ calls you to. Remember when he's talking to his disciples and, and other people come up and say, hey, I've got to go bury my mother and father. He said, I'm first in, in all things. So he calls us to a total commitment in Christ. And, and that call is to a local body, by the way, to fully engage in order to fully engage. Membership into Christ's body is ultimately not something we do, not something I do. It is something that God does. Say this again. This is important. Membership into Christ's body ultimately is not something we do. It is something that God does. Something that happens to you. In other words, God places you and I into Christ's body. And we'll develop this a little bit. But you're never asking scripture, search in vain. Use the best electronic tool you have. You will find that you're never asked in Scripture if you want to engage. Would you like to engage? Scripture never asks that question of you. Scripture does what? Scripture says we've been designed and placed in the body in order to engage. And our Scripture this morning calls us to engage in our local body in at least five specific ways. The first way is we're called to engage with equality. Verse 13 there says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We're called to engage with equality because in Christ you belong to the body regardless of your ethnicity. Black, white, brown, yellow, pink. Talking of those that get sunburned. But yeah, you belong to the body regardless of your ethnicity and regardless of your social standing. If you're a blue-collar worker, he says slaves or free. Slaves kind of carried a little different idea than we think of in America. We think of racial slavery. Back then, slavery was a little different. But still, you were a slave. 
and that was a very low social standing, and slaves or free, regardless of that distinction in the social world out there, you belong to the body. And there's none of that separation that ever belongs in the body of Christ. You belong to the body regardless of ethnicity, social standing, job status. None of our old ways of measuring count in the church. The way you measure up out there is not the way that counts in the church. You might have status out there. You don't have status in the church. Okay? That's, that's, that's what Paul's saying here. Galatians 6.15 backs this up. He says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The fact that you've been made new and created wholly different than you were before out there, before when you were a pagan, as we talked about last week. And let me say something. We don't really get... The prejudice, when, when Paul references circumcision and uncircumcision, we don't really get the prejudice that existed there. We think we have bad prejudice in the United States with black and white. Between a Jew and a Gentile, dude. I mean, they, they would, a Jew would never, never even go in a Gentile's house. I mean, that's, that's how big of a prejudice that existed there. And Paul's saying, doesn't belong in the church, doesn't live here not supposed to to live here the local body is meant to be a reflection of his community so if i sit in a farmer community what should the church look like you guys can talk back it's okay look like farmers right (laughs) we should reflect the community if we're in a mixed community of blue collar and white collar people what should the church look like blue collar and white collar, right? If we're in the, in the midst of a black, white, Filipino community, what should the church look like? Black, white, Filipino. Here's my question, why doesn't it? It's because very often we allow those things out there to get imported into here where they don't belong. Number two, number two comes from verse, verse 14, we are called to engage as individuals. The overall body cannot ignore the particular usefulness of the various individuals. The overall body is not to try to force each member to be one particular type of body part. Paul addresses this. He says, uh, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? You would think it really strange if you're walking down the road and see a big fat eyeball. You would. Whoa. Okay. That's not a body. That's an eyeball. Okay. That's an eyeball. And when the, when the church tries to be one body part, that's not how it's designed. Biblically, the church is designed so that the, the whole part recognizes that there are individuals. Individuals are called to remain as individuals in the church. There's to be no jealousy You can't say, hey, I'm jealous of a brother such and such or sister such and such because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. You can't do that. You can't get jealous about that. If you do, you're off the line. No inferiority or shrinking back. You can never say, well, so-and-so is so much better at that, I'm just not worthy. It's not, does it belong in the body? 
you have a gift, you're a body part. We'll discuss this more in a moment. But no inferiority, no shrinking back. And we get to take encouragement and engage realizing that God himself, I want you to read this with me, verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. Who did it? Starts with G, really sounds like God. Okay, God did it. God did it. So God himself placed us where we are in the body. And ultimately, as we've already said, there is no body without its parts. There is no body without its parts, ever. Does it exist? And no body without its parts and without its varied parts. And each part operates dynamically and reflexively. What do I mean by dynamically? Dynamically is the body is a fluid thing. My body is a fluid thing. When you're not fluid, you're called crippled. Or, you know, something's wrong with you. Something has happened to you. You're in a wreck and you're, you're missing a leg or an arm. Something when you're not dynamic. Okay? The body is called to be dynamic in this sense. And it's called to be reflexive. If I drop a sledgehammer on my toe, my mouth sometimes can get reflexive. So can yours. <laughs> All right. I have been known to fling a hammer probably as far as from here to the corner when my thumb. Okay. <laughs> really. So, but you get reflexive. So the body is meant to be reflexive to protect the parts of it that need protection. That's its precise reason for being reflexive. Point number three, we're called to engage corporately. Now, in the same way that of our last point, the overall body can't ignore the particular usefulness of the individuals. In verse 20 here, he says, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The individuals cannot ignore the need to act as a unified body. Let me be a little gross here a minute but a pile of body parts do not make a body. They make a gravesite. But a pile of body parts do not make a body, do they? So it's the obligation of each individual member to act in a cooperative way so that they form a body where God placed them, a body. Okay? No one is superfluous. No one is superfluous in the body of Christ. If God has placed you in the body of Christ, no one is superfluous. You're not an extra finger. You know? That's, that's the truth. You belong there. No one's outmoded. We might have older ideas, but God placed that older person in the congregation so it can anchor some of us younger pre people. I'm including myself in the younger generation there. But, yeah! No one's outmoded. We need to listen to the wisdom of everyone in the body. No one's superior to one another. Just because I'm up here running my mouth doesn't make me any superior, me any more superior than anybody else. None. I mean none, really. None. There's to be no distancing and pushing away. In this body, we have a guy named Crazy Uncle Nate. That's me. Okay. And there's to be no distancing. Hey, Nate's a crazy uncle. We just kind of keep him in the corner. 
that's not the way the body works. There's to be no distancing. You can't say here, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The Bible says, on the contrary. In other words, let me put a little correction in here. No distancing, no lack of honor or respect where we look down on somebody because of a weakness they have. People in this congregation have all kinds of weaknesses. My, one of my weaknesses is chocolate. Okay. I'm serious, you guys, it is darn near a sin for me if a box of chocolate comes up. You know, I eat like a pig, and I'm literally shamed, and ashamed, and you're laughing, but I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I lost control. I could not have one cherry cordial. I ate the three boxes that they dropped off at the office. Okay. But put it to whatever degree you want, you can't look down on anyone in the body because they're struggling with something. No lack of honor or respect for others who are feeble or others who need protection. There are people in the body who need protection. There are people who have come from outside, maybe come from a, a very bad background, and they need protection. There are people who've had terrible things happen to them, and they need protection in the body. And we don't look down on them because they come from that background. We protect them because now they belong to this body the same way that I would protect my organs. I mean, this part's pretty solid. This part's kind of fluffy. Yeah, I protect it. And that's the way the body's designed to do. This is God's design. We already talked about this. It's his composition. Verse 24, but God has so composed the body. All parts are called to act in a unified way, even though they're weak, strong, smart, come from different social strata, we're all called to engage corporately. Point number four, and I'll pick up verses 18 and 24, and I want to put a different spin on this, and we've already said it. We're called to engage where God has placed us. That's what we're called to do, where God has placed us. We don't need to travel anywhere. God put you right here. And right here, you don't need to go anywhere to be used by God, to be part of the body. And we're called to engage right there. God is directly involved in our placement in Christ's body. God arranges, God composes, not you and I. God composes for the express purpose. So let's look at this. Let's look at this in verse 24. Which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And here's the reason that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. One member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And this reflects the gospel. How does this reflect the gospel? Think about it for a minute. How does all this care inside the body reflect the gospel? Roll that over in your mind for a moment. Well, first of all, it's reflected by our obedience to Christ because I might not like John. And John might not like me. But I'm still required to be obedient to Christ. Right? And 
when people see that, hey, you know, I, I knew John and Nate back in the day when they were teenagers, buddy, and it was fisticuffs every time they met. But something happened to them dudes. They're now in the church, and boom, they're, they're, they've totally changed. That's, that represents the gospel in the church, the actions and things we do when we begin to care for other people in the church, and our inconvenience, and I mean that, inconvenience for one another, when the body is willing to inconvenience itself for something, that's not something that happens out there, but it reflects Christ in here when we do it. If you want to try an experiment sometime, pull over by the freeway, take your pocket knife out and poke a hole in your tire. See how many people stop and help you. They can't be inconvenienced. Matter of fact, probably some of us have passed people like that. But in the church, it shows the gospel when we're willing to be inconvenienced for one another. The gospel is reflected through love and inclusiveness. We include Crazy Uncle Nate at Wednesday night dinners. Okay? That's, that's the way we put up with him. We love him. There's a unity there. We get along. We work at getting along. It's not just something that we kind of agree to separate and not talk to one another. We overtly work at getting along, and that reflects the gospel because we're submissive to Christ in that sense, and we care. And I'm talking about really care. What I love about this congregation, I'll, I'll just be out with it. Let somebody get sick in here. I mean, you're getting soup at your house. People are calling you, checking on you. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. That reflects the gospel. And that's what we're called to do. Number five, we're called to engage because you are the body and are members. Now, if you were raised Catholic, you probably have a leg up here on the rest of the folks who were raised Protestant. Because Roman Catholic Catholic theology actually really teaches this point. Protestants are a little different. We, we like to be a little divisive. But right now, first of all, let's look at, look at the text here. Uh, verse uh, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Now what that means is, and we don't catch it in the English, but it is still there in the English. But in the Greek, this is plural past tense. Everybody remember your English? So basically what Paul is saying, or excuse me, present tense, I said past tense, plural present tense. What this means is all y'all right now sitting in the seat are the body of Jesus Christ. So take three seconds and look around the room. This is what Jesus looks like here on earth. This is exactly what Jesus looks like here in Goose Creek at, at Metro North, here on the earth. My body is the physical representation of me. In other words, when you see my body, you go, that's Nate. And you can pretty well tell from a long way, hey, that bald head is Nate, the one with the den in it. Yeah, that's him. Okay. Same way with you. I can recognize you a long way off because of your body, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act. I can pick you out of a crowd if I know you. Your body is the representation of you. This body is a representation of Jesus Christ. And that's not something Protestants really get their head around uh, uh, very well. Very well at all. 
In other words, let me put it to you this way. If you were walking along the street and you saw, my, and, and you saw a shoe and it was, it was cut off and, and there, there was a foot in it and, and there was a name on the side of the shoe, Belonga Nate Arnold, you wouldn't think that was my body. You would think, where's Nate? <laughs> okay, hopefully. But, yeah, but Protestants typically, American Protestants typically want to think of our personal individual selves as the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ according to the second plural, second tense plural portion of the scripture. So without having a local body, there's no representation of Christ. A few body parts, as we've already said, do not make a body. Individually, I am not the full representation of Christ. I can be an ambassador for Christ. People can see Christ in me. But this body is more the full representation of Christ than I am. And Protestants typically don't think that way. It's just not, not where we go. One does not perceive the true representation of who Christ is without experiencing the body, without encountering the body. And the church is literally the instantiation of Christ here on the earth. And is called, this body is called to carry out the direction of the head. Each of us, here's the second part of the verse. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members. Individually members. And the Greek underlying here for members is the word melos or mele, depending on which way you conjugate the verb or the word. And it means pieces or parts. means body parts. Your individual body parts. You don't make up the whole body. You're, you're parts of the body. And as individuals, and here's where we really, and, and I hate to say this, but here's where we often run into trouble. Because individuals, we tend to ignore the body in Western society, in, in our churches, Protestant churches today. But here's the truth. To ignore participation in the church, the local body, is to ignore Christ. Because this is Christ's body, I'm not. You see the picture that's getting painted by the text here? As individuals, to disassociate from the church is to disassociate from Christ. If you say, I can't put up with the body, you're basically saying, I can't put up with Christ. In a very real sense. That's scary to me. The Bible knows nothing of individual Lone Ranger Christianity. Well, you say, well, what about the apostles or what about missionaries? What's their job? To create a body <laughs> wherever they go. They're here to, here to put a body in place in whatever town they go to. And this makes church membership more of an issue of submission than of selection. Say that one more time. This makes church membership more of an issue of submission than of selection. In other words, I'm submitting to Christ and submitting to God in these things. Submitting to God rather than selecting based on my personal desires. And this really ultimately, when I finally understood this, and I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't always understood this as a Christian, as a Protestant Christian. Uh, I, I haven't always understood. But when I really got my mind around this, I was like, hey, the body is way more important than I gave it credit for. 
The church is way bigger a deal than I had ever thought. I always thought of myself as individually having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I do. But I'm part of a body, and I'm part of a local body, and that is the picture and the reflection of of Jesus Christ. You see, you are because God has. It's actually all about God. You are part of the body because God put you there. Colossians uh, 1 chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 tell us, giving thanks to the Father, this is what we're supposed to be doing, giving thanks to the Father who has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Who delivered us from the domain of darkness? The Father, right? Who transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son? The Father. And where do we have redemption? In Christ. God does all the work. Well, I'd like to end today's message with a little story. This is not something that I often do. But I would like to read you a story. Everybody ready for story time? Does not mean you can take a nap. (laughs) Stay awake for the whole story. But the idea of the story here is, I'll tell you up front, is it's to encapsulate all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and maybe help you think a little bit about chapter 12 and and what we've been preaching the past two Sundays. And it's the story of Pinky Toe. Story of Pinky Toe. Left middle toe and left pinky toe were talking one day. Middle toe said, Pinky? Tell me a bit about yourself. You're such a dependable and hard worker. You always seem so satisfied and happy. How did you come to be part of this body? Well, it all started when I was talking with my good friend, Right Thumb. Whoa, you're not friend with those righties, are you? Left Middle Toe said. Slow your roll, middle toe. None of that right-left stuff belongs in the body. Head has it all under control anyway. As I was saying, my good friend, right thumb, had been telling me about Jesus Christ. And over time and through multiple conversations, I came to understand that I had completely turned away from God. And I already knew I wasn't part of the body, even though I did hang around with right thumb quite a bit. And finally, one day, I told Right Thumb that I wanted what he had. I wanted to be part of the body. Where do I sign up? Right Thumb told me, "Eh, it didn't quite work that way. I need to go to the Father and tell him I was sorry for doing my own thing and rebelling and that I wanted to stop doing things my way and be controlled by Christ, who is the head of the body. And that if the Father would give me the strength, I would fully submit no matter what. Right thumb even went completely out of his way to make the introduction to the Father and to Christ. Well, what happened next, said Middletoe excitedly. Well, the Father accepted my apology and made me a completely new creation. Then he placed me here in Christ's body as left pinky toe. Well, how did you feel about that, Middletoe said. Man, was I ever excited. I would get eye to look things up for me and ear to let me know about what head was thinking and saying and mouth really helped me by constantly reminding me of the marvelous things the Father and Christ and the Holy Spirit were doing. 
I really focused on learning to live a life of obedience to Christ because, you know, I didn't want to be a stinky pinky and reflect poorly on the head. There was a time, though, when I got a little jealous of knee. He has some serious power and can push the whole body way up in the air. I tried to be like him for a while, but it just didn't work. Then there was the time I felt dejected, like what I do really doesn't matter. I mean, there are nine other toes. What could I possibly contribute? From that point, I kind of fizzled out and just quit participating in anything. Well, how, how did you come out of it? Because I often feel the same way, middle toe ass. Well, mouth really helped me out here by reminding me that the father had actually placed me here himself and that head truly considered me part of his body. Well, I was still a little skeptical, so I asked I to check it out for me. And he said that he had looked at it, and it was true. It was right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, plain as day. Wow, I bet that was real encouraging, said Middletoe. It was very encouraging. But I still ran into a, very, uh, into a few snags along the way. You know that I truly desire to reflect Christ in every area of my life. So next I decided that the best way to do that would be exercising what I thought were my gifts. But I found that when I focused on gifts, my gifts, they tended to make everyone look at me instead of Christ. Then one day, Mouth taught us that those gifts were not actually something I possessed, but that the Holy Spirit placed them and expressed them among the body the way he thought it was necessary to bring glory to Christ. So as much as I enjoy my gifting, and I'm very flexible, I can even pick things up off the floor as a pinky toe. That's pretty spectacular. But as much as I enjoy my gifting, I've decided to leave the expression and effectiveness of my gifts to the Holy Spirit. I do still work on perfecting them, though, because I want to be prepared if the Holy Spirit calls on me. Well, isn't it tough being a toe, especially a pinky, middle toe asked? I mean, the toe team is constantly in motion and has to be extremely flexible. Don't you feel like the body is just using you sometimes? Well, admittedly, it took a while for me to get comfortable with the idea, and every once in a while, I still struggle a bit. But the truth be told, I've come to understand that the Father knew exactly what he was doing when he placed me here. I've also come to trust the body. When I get beat up and blistered, I know that leg will put me over into a nice warm soak. And hands will put ointment and moleskin on me and take care of me. Eye will look in on me regularly and mouth will always work to encourage me. So bottom line, this is exactly where I belong. The Father is very wise. And it is work. But I find that when I do my pinky exercises and grow as a disciple, I'm, I'm more prepared to handle things that head asks me to do, even though sometimes it seems to push me to the limits. Each time that happens, I learn to trust head more and more, and I realize just how marvelous he is. I enjoy being part of the body. 
there are a lot of things going on. Not only is the Holy Spirit expressing gifts through individuals, and individuals are placed by the Father to be fully functional parts in Christ's body and work together to support one another in carrying out Head's mission, but mouth tells me that there is even more to how the body is supposed to operate. And I'm anxious to learn about it. Well, what do you think it might be, and how does it work? Middletoe asked excitedly. Well, I'm not sure, said Pinky Toe. Mouth said it was something called love. And he would tell us more about it next week. Let's pray. Father, we get so focused on what we have and where we are that sometimes we do lose sight of what's coming next week, the love. And Lord, help us to understand the relevance and the importance of Christ's body, that the reason we plant churches is so that Christ's body exists in various places throughout this world. And help us to love the body. The body is the bride of Christ. The body is the instantiation of Christ. When people see the body, they see Christ. Lord, help us to reflect positively as whatever part we are and help us to glorify Christ in all that we say and do. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand and worship with us?
he has saved us and made us new. The President of the United States has asked Christians to pray today. Uh, that is quite an acknowledgement from a pagan society that would you pray? Would you seek the face of the Lord? So I would remind y'all that here's a chance to go before the Father and, and ask and petition him. Um, it's something to think about. All day today has been declared a, prayer, a day of prayer. Well, as always, the Lord gets the last word. And our benediction today comes from uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25 today. And it says this, receive this blessing. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day dawn, drawing near. Go in that grace.